Welcome to the Unspoken Podcast, the gripping podcast that uncovers the tales of tech entrepreneurship. In each episode, we unveil the captivating narratives of founders and techies as they share their remarkable journeys, filled with both soaring successes and challenging setbacks. Join us as we explore the unfiltered and unspoken aspects of the tech world, where innovation and ambition collide. Let's dive in. I understand Twitter like the back of my hand. That's one thing. Like like the actual back of my hand. So I know how everything runs this. I would kind of say I am a Twitter influencer. <laughs> now I'm actually serious. But not in the so there's niche Twitter influencers. Like mm-hmm. people in like for tech, I'm actually a Twitter influencer. Okay. Like people know me on Twitter because of the stuff I do. Right. So the goal of that in general is to sell my brand and then use that brand to create impact and value wherever I go. Like that's the goal. Yeah, so when do we start? You actually start. I know. <laughs> I kind of realized. <laughs> but like um although we have like a structure. Yeah, yeah, uh, definitely. Like you're going to cut and join. Or yeah, just you have to like I don't want you to be too professional. Like yeah. I don't like just, like how I was talking free now, exactly, you like that. Exactly, exactly. Like, I feel you. Just, for example, like the objective on the podcast is mm-hmm. to allow people to, like someone I've never met you before. Yeah. Like, when a person listens to this podcast and feel like they've, like you guys have known each other for a long time. For a long time, yeah. They can actually see like different perspectives of you and understand like, not just only tech, there are other things that you might be interested in that mm-hmm. people, like, if you tell someone, oh, I actually like doing this thing. I mean, are you kidding? Like, they didn't even know that. Like, they didn't even know that. For example, like, you may have people that are into tech, mm-hmm. but they may be like musicians, just looking at this. That's how they have people on the record. Just... Like, like, like today, itself on Twitter, I saw someone that like he's into tech, like that's the main thing. But this guy can draw. Exactly. And like, I was shocked. Like, I, I also rep people that have multi talents. Like, you can do music and you can also do tech. That's amazing to me. In my own, in my own opinion, like. I feel like it takes two different kind of um, places in your mind to split those two different things to do. And it's just amazing that people can actually, like, do both of them. Yeah. Well, I, I, I know, like, let me just give it a little bit structure so that like, okay. somebody will actually be like, okay, like, can you yeah. like, tell me, like, your name and um, how did you grow up? Where did you grow up from? How did you grow up? Like, okay. About, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, right. the earliest memory you can remember. Okay. Like, primary school okay. or was it crunch or something like okay. that? Or, like, a name background and all Yeah, so my name is Afla Bishoke, right? Um, I am 20 years old. Yeah. I am a tech enthusiast, product manager, business strategist, and a community manager, right? Um, I studied at Babcock University. Like, I just recently finished 2023. <laughs> You know, it was amazing. Um, the earliest remembrance of tech in my life was um, when I was like eight to ten years old. I always loved like just figuring out what was on my mom's phone. Like I was just always curious, right? How does this thing work, right? If I carry my brother's phone, how does this thing work? If I carry my brother's laptop, I was just always curious, like, oh, what does this thing do? What does this thing not do? In fact. From 10 years old, I already knew I wanted to do something that has to do with computer. I already knew I wanted to do computer engineering. 
right? That was the exact course I, I wanted to do, even though I ended up studying software engineering, but it's kind of, it's kind of interrelated, yeah. right? So yeah, that was the earliest remembrance of tech. Then we also didn't really have like YouTube and stuff. So it was a bit closed in the box what you could like understand about tech. But Aisha knew that there was Bill Gates because they used to talk about him in school. I knew there was Mark Zuckerberg because people used to talk about Facebook. So, yeah, I think that was the earliest remembrance of tech in my life. When you were a kid, like, what kind of kid were you? And where did you grow up from? Which area mm. and stuff like that? So, I was, I was conservative, right? I, there's something called an ambivert. They are both extroverted and introverted, right? They are only extroverts when they need to be. Right? So that was how I was. Um, I, I wouldn't say I was shy. And I wouldn't say I was like social, social. Right? I was just like, okay, if I need to do this, then I'll put myself out there. Right? That was the kind of kid I was. Right? I also loved just being involved in many things. Right? Even if it's music, dance, football, anything I could get my hands on or anything I saw that I liked. I was just like, oh, let me try this. And yeah, that was... That was what I was when I was small and I would say like that has kind of evolved to who I am now because I am a generalist right I, I don't like sticking to one thing I like doing many things and then see how all of those things work together so yeah so what was the secondary school like secondary school so what was the secondary school like was it like high school musical or uh it's like high school musical <laughs> no, i really like, see that you one know, you know that you know, some people are funny some, some people when they yeah. were secondary school they were like you know these OGs like, yeah kind of babes, you know, yeah like, <laughs> you know, exactly you know, i was the exact opposite <laughs> of that <laughs> but exactly like, you know like some, some of us like we, some of us like this even though if we act like our secondary school mates they be like yeah, we didn't even know it was yeah. like, people have different excuses like that. So like, how was your secondary school? Okay, so to be honest, I was also a conservative person in secondary school, but I had a lot of knowledge. Like I'm I'm a knowledge seeker, right? I love seeking knowledge wherever it is. I before I went to secondary school, I watched a lot of YouTube videos about tech. I just I just like seeking knowledge. It doesn't even have to be about tech, it can be about anything, right? And Right, my my family is a kind of knowledge-seeking family too. It's kind of in the family, it's like in the blood. So when I entered secondary school, I was not really a shouting person. Like I don't really talk about the things I do, right? But okay, one one thing I know I did was there was a business, right? I used to sell super strikers. <laughs> I swear, I used to rent super strikers to people in school because I was the only one that was bringing it. Wow. Right, so I've always been business oriented from secondary school. Other than that, I was just conservative. I only had like the few friends that knew me, but people knew me for dancing. Like there was this dance crew we had. <laughs> I'm not even joking. Like if I had not entered tech, I would have been a dancer. I'm not even joking. Like I was so passionate about it. People knew me because of dancing. So I was not pop- popular, popular, but. Being a dancer in secondary school, this kind of rep you have, right? So that's how people knew me. But other than that, I was like kind of a conservative person. So I was selling super striker, like I was selling. Bro, <laughs> I made money. In fact, I had people who were, who were it, it wasn't even selling. I was even doing worse. I was renting it out. I bought it at. I bought it at. Okay, that was twenty thirteen. There was one point that super striker was sponsored by Texaco. Texaco. Yeah, I, I, that, 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 I don't know why. Okay, so 2013, they had already changed their sponsors. Yeah, they changed their sponsors. 
okay. by by 2013. There's a secret I know about the whole Texaco people. I'll spill it on another episode, probably, if I get to come back, right? Um, so yeah, before then, my father used to buy a lot of sports trackers for us. Like was it because he like anytime you go to Texaco? Mm-hmm. No. Oh, so oh, you know shop, um all the malls, okay. yes, all the malls had it. So it doesn't matter where we are. My father can just say, we'll let all of us go out. And then he will just say, pick whatever you want. Oh my God. I loved that scene. I was like, I, do you actually mean it? Like, I can pick whatever I want. And then I, me and my brother, we speak Super Strikers a lot. My sister will pick Archie. You understand? And she will pick those other comics. But me, personally, we like football. So obviously, we're picking Super Strikers. So before I entered Just One, I was already a Super Strikers freak, right? I had plenty at home. So when I entered... Um, just one. I brought it to school. Then everybody was not asking, Aflabi, please can I read Aflabi? I was not like, wait, dude. There's market demand. There's market. So I started this thing way back, right? This whole business mindset. There's market demand for this thing. And then I I bought it at 100 naira and I rented it at 150 naira per person. Wow. Right? And then, so it was getting too big at the point because there was sometimes I was not around that people wanted to rent it to read. So I hired like I didn't hire, like, I had friends that would actually help me, right? So I would split the different super strikers, and where they are, they would be handling it on their own side, and I'll be handling it on my own side. So <laughs> I made lots of money from that, right? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, do you have any, did you experience, like, any business related issue with someone who brought your super striker and didn't want to return it? Uh, and people it or something or damaged Yes. Yeah, the main issue was maintenance of the comics, right? Because you are giving it out for people to read, they tend to kind of mismanage it, right? So there were cases where the super striker store or the pages wrinkled or stuff like that. So after that moment, I kind of became more careful with how I like allowed people use the super strikers when they rented it. So that was the main issue I faced. Other than that, some people were always bad mouthing me that. Something that you buy for 100 naira, are you investing it for 150 naira? I mean, I was just like, it's business. If you want to. So, you just convince me to let them read for free. And I'm like, no, it is business. If you want to buy your own, go and buy your own. But we were in body school, nobody could buy. I was the only one that had it on the market. Thank you. So, I was kind of winning there. So the, the selling, not, you said you were an introvert, so the selling super striker did get you anything more? Like how were you? Uh, not really. Like I said, I was social when I needed to be. Mm-hmm. So people knew me when we went to go and play football. I also play football a lot. Yeah. So anytime I go there, people knew me from there. People knew me in my class, right? Um, and people knew me as a dancer. So all of those things combined just just gave me whatever short-lived fame i would say i had which i really didn't have but yeah wow so like, what do you, what do you like about super striker because i know that was not like the only comics mm. that were available back then but like for me why mm. i love super striker was because when you check it's like yeah as a young person maybe i, I really loved football when i was younger mm-hmm. so that's why I, why you exactly, like super but like to you like why why was Super Strikers the only was it the only comics you sold? And why so you... Super Strikers was the one with the most supply in Nigeria? Like if you go anywhere, any mall, they had Super Strikers, right? So it's this kind of case where if I go to one place, I say Super Strikers, go and that place. So I like, was this Super Strikers thing. And in fact, my brother was the first one to even key into it. He was the one that actually started 
um, telling my dad to buy for us. And from there, I just started reading it. And I was really interested with the way they played football. Like, when you read those comics, like, the football they are playing is not normal football. They call it, I forgot what they call it, I don't know if it's Shaolin or something like Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think you watched that movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was something like that. Exactly. So it was just very fun, right, to see that kind of comic in Nigeria. We don't really have, back then, we didn't really have much creative things going on. So it was just really fun seeing, like, oh, there was an actual comic that people were running in Nigeria. So, yeah, that was just, I was just interested in that. COVID kind of stopped um, the demand of Super Strikers, right, in 2019. Um, because they used to sell it physically, and people didn't go out because of the whole restriction, mm-hmm. it kind of reduced, right, their brand fame, right? I think one thing that could have saved them is if they started doing deliveries to people's houses, right? So if people could not buy from the malls, they can order it from the Super Strikers store, and then they will get it delivered to the house. So I think that's one thing that would have actually saved them. But I didn't really read it after the whole COVID time began. Well, so, but do you still remember the players, the strikers? But, no, but I think on what we said... Is it Sheikh's name that I remember? <laughs> you, it was El Matador now. Yes, El Matador! It was the keeper guy. I forgot his name. There was one guy, there was one guy with red hair. Exactly. I loved that guy. I'm not even going to lie, like, except Sheikh's. That guy was my best, like... I just loved his speed. And everything, and it's twisting. I, I think there was one other guy too, Kazim. I think that one was like the captain for a long time. Yeah, there was also one big guy too. I think that was Sheikh's friend. Yeah. No, 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 I, I think, do you know that coach was the one that was, that was, yeah. that was the and everything? Yes. He had hair before, but then he he later went back. It has been a long time. Exactly, to me, it's, it's, been, it's been a long time. Yeah. So, like, when was the first time you like you know people have this perception about what computer is mm-hmm. and what tech is mm-hmm. but when they actually got in like, oh, that's not um, that's not how tech mm-hmm. works for example they, they, an example i usually give is when you watch movies right yeah. people see that um illusion till now when you watch movies and you see somebody on like Command, yeah, and just on the keyboard, yeah, just they think like that's what so tech anybody is. Just, anybody that's not actually into tech feels that that's how it is now. You just mm-hmm. just be pressing, you could just pressing yeah. on keyboards and command prompts just keep coming up. So, the first time you saw like a computer and you saw tech, like how did you feel? What, what was your perception before entering tech? And how has that perception like changed? Change. Um, so the first time I actually got a computer. It was a com- it was a Toshiba laptop that my dad passed to my brother, passed to my sister, <laughs> passed to me. So I didn't even use it for tech then. It was more like I was just curious about how the computer works. In fact, I used to write stories. There was one um um book I was writing called Vampirona. Like I wrote different editions of Vampirona. It's probably lost in time now. But it was a vampire series kind of. And then that was mainly what I did. I, I also used to play with paints a lot. I just liked exploring the tools on the computer, right? But that was like very, very early. That was when I was still in primary school. When I reached secondary school, things kind of changed, right? I had a more organized perception of computer because like we had a computer lab, right? And then we also had, um, there was this technical lab I had with my guardian where he had his own laptop there. In fact, laptops were not allowed in our school, right? Because it's um, budding. So, there we used to watch youtube videos about tech and then there was a friend that was in um 
that lab because I had the key of the lab, right? Him, he also had the key. He was a coder. That was the first person I knew that ever coded. Like, he used to um, write HTML. He used to write CSS, JavaScript. So then I would just look at it. Like, I knew these things, like the concepts of it, but I didn't know how to code. So I just look at him like, oh, I need to learn this. I need to learn this. I need to learn this every damn time. Like I would just look at that. And um, in SS1, I kind of picked up Python, right, from online. Um, Code Academy. I think a lot of people know Code Academy, right? So that was like the first time I really knew, like, oh, this was what tech is. And it's not even tech. It's more of like the coding side of tech. Like, okay, programming language, using it to create software stuff like that now i don't i don't know what you would classify as tech because like tech has various meanings right to someone else tech can mean just hardware to me it can mean software to someone else can mean a better system to another person can mean iot to another person can mean cloud so but for me it was more of a programming like oh a programmer a coder building softwares and all that so that was what tech was to me when i started how was that perception change? Yes. I I later figured out that um, tech was just a tool, right, to solve problems. Before, I was so obsessed with it, like, oh, tech is everything. Oh, if you build a software, people will use it and all that. But, like, as I reached university, I kind of got open to what real life was. I figured out that in secondary school, I was really shielded by body in school and the way the system worked around um the students right university is more open right you get to learn a lot of things you get to meet a lot of people so from there i met talented people who were already doing this tech thing right by the way me i was not more up to them like people that already built softwares right people that were already solving problems right people that already built e-commerce stores like back when they were in their own states and they actually sold it to people so my my mindset kind of changed from oh tech is just a it's a programming kind of thing program 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 to kind of it's a tool to empower initiatives businesses communities and all that so uh, has there been any uh, misconception you had before entering into tech and when you just got to take it ah this is just that's a misconception mm. i would say i was always clear on myself with what i thought tech was Right. I just knew tech. In fact, it's in the name technology, right? Using tech to do something, whether it is um, building a software, whether it's building a robot, all that. But I didn't have this empathetic or deeper meaning that, oh, the impact of this thing to actually solve problems is wide, right? I was just saying, oh, we can build this thing. That's where my thoughts ended. But later on, I was not like, wait. The impact of people actually using drums in churches, in events, in all that is like really big, right? And that just happened because you knew how to use tech to make that, right? So that was how my mindset was from the beginning. I never had any misconception that, oh, Python is the best program language or this one, because there was always all those things that were popping up on YouTube, right? But yeah. What was the first code you ever wrote? Hmm. It was Batch. Batch was popular then, right? Batch was a. It was it, it was run on the command line, right, on a Windows laptop, right? So you could just open 
um, your laptop, type a piece of batch code, right? And then when you close it, that batch code becomes a software. If you tap it, the instructions can shut down your laptop. The instructions can shut down your internet for your laptop. The instructions can hack into networks of other computers nearby. The instructions can steal passwords from... Um, they can steal passwords from the um, people that are connected to public Wi-Fi. So Batch was actually the first programming language that I knew about. Before I knew about... Before I was taught basic and... Because everybody learned basic in um, secondary school, right? And then before I knew about C, Python, but the main programming language I actually started with was actually HTML, right? So I talked about earlier in the podcast, I talked about using Code Academy, right? But I, I later dumped it. Then later I was just fascinated about Python. And then there was a teacher in my school that was really good at computer. In fact, that man was teaching for fun, right? He had a business where he was earning millions and he decided that he wanted to be a teacher. Right. So I went to go and meet him that, sir, I'm very curious about this um, programming thing. I want to learn from you. And he was like, okay, every Thursday, 4 p.m., don't miss it. Be here. And I was coming and I was learning Python and I was learning. And then the man left the school. So I stopped programming, but I was still focused on tech. Right. But the impact of just that moment that I learned a bit of Python, when I resumed 100 level, there was, um, they were teaching us C programming. And then when they were teaching us the concepts, and I was not like, wait, though, I've done this somewhere before. I didn't know that that time where I was learning Python actually impacted me to actually know programming when I started in 100 level. So yeah, so from there to there, you can see how my programming knowledge kind of grew. And uh, yeah. So um, when did you start making money from like, from tech. tech, like all the first money you made, how mm. was it like? Funny enough, it was a website my sister was building, right? In fact, she still has it. It's her brand, uh, Mash Hair. Um, she told me, because she knew I was into detecting, obviously. She was like, Afolabi, I want to do websites. Can you build it for me? Me, I was never taking of money. I was just taking of it like, fun, yeah, <laughs> I can do website for you. But I didn't use... I didn't program it. I used Wix, okay. right? So I was very intuitive about no-code tools, Wix, WordPress, Webflow, and all that. So I used Wix. I developed the first version. She loved it. And then she paid me for it. And I was happy, like, wow, I'm actually <laughs> earning money from um, doing this for people. Yeah. yeah I, then I love tech, to be honest. So, yeah. <laughs> so what was the first thing you ever built? Hmm. Like, okay, like, First now, even though no matter how white it was, but first and like, wow, this thing actually works. Okay, so in 2022, there were these guys in Mascom that I knew, right? And they came to me because they wanted to build a blogging site. Mm-hmm. I was like, blogging site? This was even before my sister asked me for to build a website for her. Blogging site? I was like, okay. And by then, I was already learning weeks, right? So I was just like, okay, blogging site. And then they didn't really know anything about tech. But they knew what they wanted. They wanted a blogging site, a new site where people can, or we can share links and then people can come and see the news and all that. So I went into Wix, right? I drew out a plan, actually, 
right? Oh, okay, this is what this website is going to have. Went into it, looked for templates, started building all those templates. I built a, a whole... In fact, the website is still up. I think if you check out www.parkseason.wixsite.com, you'll still see it. I'm not sure of the exact um, yeah. URL. But yeah, that was the first thing I really built. And then people used it, wow. right? So I shared it to people around me that, oh, okay, this is Parkseason. We are, we are a blog company they shared it on the outside and we're actually getting like traction from that so yeah that was the first real thing that i built do you remember the second job you got after your sister's job <sighs> so the second job i got to shocky my sister's boyfriend <laughs> <laughs> so you're just going for yeah so in nigeria that's why i tell people the leverage network. your connections wow. leverage your network because they're the ones that will help you grow i also saw a tweet today where someone said the best way to get a job is through referrals and i commented on that tweet under the tweet very true because i've never applied for a job wow. every single job i've gotten is through referrals so yeah so my sister's um boyfriend wanted a crypto website right just like a an information page where they could come contact them see their services just a services website basically so because i had already built um the pack season and then the mash website i already had ideas so i just built and so the difference between that one i used templates for the remaining this one i built it from scratch i didn't use any templates so it was kind of a different perspective that i took to build with the with wix for this one and it took shorter time like i was already so good at wix so like now for my sister's website it took like how many months four months or three months but for this one i did it in like three weeks straight up so yeah that was the second one that i earned money for so what, what has been the money you made in tech and you be like what give you an exclamation <laughs> mark that you might, you might not go into the details of the money mm. but like what kind of project were you working on so it was actually still my sister's boyfriend website because <laughs> i was charging for maintenance per month oh, and i was really? charging wow. and as a student in under level, a bit to under level, the money I was getting was pretty good. I was like, ah, are you actually serious that I'm making this money per month? And I was collecting it and I was feeling good with myself. So that was actually the first time I actually like earned real money, like except my sister's own. Like that was the first time I actually earned proper money from tech, right? For building something for someone. So as so as there been like different points in tech where you feel like quitting or something. If not every day. So in I, I, I'm just going to give a scenario, right? We built this e um library site in a university. I'm not going to call their name sharp. So um during COVID, all of us went home early in school. Mm-hmm. Nobody had textbooks. Like there was literally so now everybody was on the would read, for example. So us we looked far ahead, like we too. Nobody actually has textbooks to read. What's the solution? We built an e-library site and then we uploaded every single physical book that we had, right? So, so we uploaded every book we had. We asked people for their own books. We uploaded it and digitized it to the e-library, right? So people would go to the library to get those books, right? So we had shareable links on social media. We tell customers to share it around. And we kind of became semi-popular during the COVID period um, for, for that. So that was actually the first main problem we solved. And our attraction was insane because it was a need. People wanted to read, right? And they didn't have textbook, they didn't have notes. So we were, we had a lot of traction from that, right? I feel like if we had even poured, we would have made it 
shit ton of money from that. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, um, has there been like depressing moments like in tech, like or what causes depressing moments? Because mm. everybody, mm. this is what I'm asking mm-hmm. because when people see like tech individuals from outside, they feel that oh, all we just do is write some code. All that busy, yeah, and you make and money, just make money, and just at the end of the day, buy Tesla and just live <laughs> like happily ever after, or yeah. Something. So, but people know that there are different depressing moments. Like, for example, you can spend like several days just trying to debug something, yeah, you and you don't even know maybe it was just like an exclamation mark, like, bro, a comma, exactly, a dot, exactly, uh, or maybe just mistakenly misspelled, yeah, or, something. Or maybe, Something that was supposed to be in uppercase. Yeah. And you just put like it's a lowercase. Yeah, exactly. People don't know about those. So I would say for me, I am a very goal-driven person, right? The goals I had in before I entered the university of now, I still have them, right? So I was I was kind of like, if I want to make it in tech, I have to be hardworking. I have to put in the work. I have to volunteer to project. I have to try to build stuff, right? So I was just doing, and in fact, that was a natural thing to me. It's not as if I had to do too much to like get to that point. I was already like that from the beginning. And I was also around great people. That was something that helped me. I didn't do it alone. And and one thing I always tell people, for me, collaboration is the best way to succeed. I personally don't think that, oh, I have to do it on my own. Oh, I self-learned, all that, right? People that even call themselves um the self-learning developer or something like that that's a lie to me because the youtube resource you used was someone right the person created the course and you you watch the course right it didn't have to be a person that would teach you physically right but you still got advantage of that in a way in fact we're in a remote world right even working is remote so i don't think i i don't like the whole thing where you would say oh i self-learned and like that was how i got People helped you on your way. Every single resource you saw was done by someone. So the main thing for me, Sha, is collaboration. That was something that helped me not to be depressed through my tech life. Right? I had other people who I was building with, who we shared these um, um, scenarios, we shared these hard times with. So it was much easier to go through them than being on my own. Have you ever been fired before? Fired. Yeah. I've I've been let off, and <laughs> the reason why I was let off was because I've I've tried to tell the CEO, look, this thing cannot work. But he was so adamant about the idea, and I was not going to put in energy for something I knew was clearly not going to work, right? And he was like, no, this is the way we have to do it, and. I, I'm not even the one that proposed it. He, he let me go, right? He was like, I'm not really dedicated. No, me, I knew. Because like I said, I was not going to be dedicated if we were doing the wrong things, yeah. right? So that was why I was kind of let go, right, from that. Um, and yeah. And funny enough, I still talk to the CEO of the company. And like what, what they're building is still very very good so how do you now handle like things like that because a lot of people don't like to talk about that thing and we know people <laughs> most of us in tech mm-hmm. right since 20 is it 2020 or 2021 where this firing speech started yeah 2020 yes i COVID. think it's a lot of people like a like, like, like a ton of drink yeah 
most people didn't and like how did you handle that kind of thing okay so for me i am always about the truth i am always about clarity i am always about saying how it is right so anytime i'm talking to people or i'm working with people i am going to be at 100% truth level because i want us to succeed and the only way we can succeed is in truth right so that that's how i've always been and that's how i've always handled things right so if i see something is not working i will tell you this thing is not working this is probably a better way we can go right and that's why i am where i am right now because of my honest brutally honest self and you know my ability to also grow and adapt to a lot of things so um i know you've been working on a lot of projects yeah chow tracker which one which one they just okay they just okay. Me because like, I, 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 I don't want to miss it so i don't want to think oh i'm favoring one <laughs> Okay, so um, currently I am a PM at Tracker, okay. um, business strategist at Chow, um, community manager at Gen Z Techies, right. and I would I give a it. sneak peek to you, right? There's a project I'm currently working on. Last four. Yes. Last four projects. There's a project I'm currently working on, right? And I'm also a PM there, wow. right? So, um... I, I just want to give a shout out to the stuff I do, so that it's not the CEO will not tell me I didn't talk <laughs> about our product. So, so yeah, so Tracker is basically um, your all-in-one money app okay. to spend and save seamlessly, right? So it might seem like a broad view when we're trying to tell people that we're trying to actually help them make the best of their money, but it's actually what we do, from um, expense tracking tools to all-in-one payments tools to savings to um envelope budgeting right so everything we try to do is try to help people make the best of their money right in terms of spending and saving um for chow why food delivery campus <laughs> app <laughs> if anybody knows timmy he's going to be <laughs> they are going to be rallying in their seats right now but yeah so our food delivery campus app in babcock university and what we basically do is um let's people order from their favorite restaurants right um and gen z tech is, is a um community that enables gen z's in tech to learn network and build um solutions to world problems right so yeah those are the main things i work on and a lot of people always ask me how do you manage to work on all these oh, multiple things at the same time <laughs> And it's more like, um, I don't know, I'm a very good generalist and multitasker. So I know how to split my brain to kind of think of multiple use cases or playbooks uh, in multiple worlds, right? So that's how I kind of um, work in all these places without burning burning out. Okay, I've burnt out, but let me not lie. I'm (laughs) not. But yeah, I'm still able to like manage all of them and try to also make impact in any work I do. Uh, Yeah. So I want to go through all those three projects. Yeah. So how did the idea come about and how did you get into it? Okay, so um, the CEO and CEO, Timmy and Rashid, um, I know Timmy because he's from Babcock. Um, we knew each other from online. Um, so they had a problem of managing their expenses. Like they could not track it 
when they were spending from their multiple apps. You spend in a kiosk in Babcock, and then you just see your app. 30, um, 30k has been spent this month. 30k how? What did I spend it on? And now you have multiple accounts. So it even becomes more difficult for you going from app to app to app, trying to understand what is happening in your finances. And then Timmy and um, Rashid just thought of, why don't we make something that would help us solve that problem? So Timmy drafted up an MVP. And because I was in Babcock, I knew Timmy. So Timmy came to me and was like, oh, I'm working on this thing, right? This is what this is about. Even before like they really started, it was just in the crafting stage. It was in the scrappy MVP stage. Right, even before we started um, working with Mono. So Timmy was just like, oh, okay, this is something that I'm working on. And I was I was actually like, oh, this is a great idea, right? Um, it has a lot of potential. You can build it out. I didn't even join Tracker in the beginning. I joined Tracker. So Tracker started November 2022. Like I said, I already knew way before they started, right? So I was always a preacher of Tracker, right? Online, on Twitter, on my WhatsApp status. In fact, people thought I was a Tracker, right? And then... Um, um, so sorry, um, Tracker started November 2021, right? Yeah, so um, 2022, I was always an advent of Tracker. Um, they launched in May 2022, uh, it was amazing, right? So, me, I was just outside watching everything. In fact, everybody that was inside the company, they were my friends, I already knew everything about basically about Tracker. So, it was in 2022, October that Timmy was looking for a product manager, right? Because he was handling too much, being CEO, being CTO, handling product, right? And he needed someone to kind of take that load off his shoulders. And that was like when he reached out to me and was like, okay, we need a PM, come on. Uh, and yeah, that's how I entered into Tracker and that's how Tracker even came up. So how has been the journey with Tracker? It has been amazing. It has been amazing. Um, the main point I like about Tracker is the energy in the company all of us are not above 22 right we are all young people right and the um strive to want to innovate so what we're building as track a tracker has really never been done before in africa right i would say that boldly because it has never been done right um we're trying to build the only one finance app so for you to track your expenses for you to pay online and physically from any of your payment methods linked to Tracker and then for you to save seamlessly from all, so all those payment methods. So the key to Tracker is the ability for us to link your account, your fintech wallet and your cards together in one platform to enable you to dream about your finances, right? So that innovation in Tracker is something I really like that we are doing. And then the energetic vibe because we're young people is also something that really drives us to achieve that goal. So what do you see like um, the future of what Tracker is trying to do? Um, so um, whew, that is tough. But our goal is um, to build seamless money management and payment tools for consumers and businesses. Right? That's our goal in the long run. So whether it's from Tracker, to um, tracker business that we're currently working on in the background, to other products I wouldn't talk about now, but everybody will see when they come out, right? So um, we have even already been thinking of all these other things we're working on, but you know, you have to take it step by step, right? You have to um, achieve small by small, which is what we're currently doing at Tracker. So yeah. 
<laughs> I have more questions I want to ask. Okay. So um, you can I don't you might choose to like um, ask the question. Yeah. But um, don't you think that um, piggy vest is kind of similar to what you guys are building? Mm, I'm just, I, um, I'm just curious. Yeah. So piggy vest is more of savings and growing money through agro-based investments. They also have other investment types, um, but they don't really allow you track your income and expenses right all you do there is um save with targets save lock your money right and stuff like that right so it's 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 more focused on the habit of savings right us were focused on your entire financial life right we're not just talking of savings we're talking about your payments how you spend tracking expenses your transactions your bank statements everything we want to be able to help you across all those parts right so piggy vest is focused on one side of it our focused on your whole entire financial health so that's the difference between tracker and something like piggy vest so i have more other questions mm-hmm. <laughs> because i've been trying to bring timmy on the podcast yeah i've not been available yet so i'll just maybe you. maybe i would like put him up <laughs> maybe i'll just ask you yeah but i said a lot of questions also yeah i don't ask i don't ask you because when he comes out no you no problem the bigger words. questions do you think right nigerians right mm-hmm. um, do you guys just actually care about how much they spend right mm-hmm. do you actually think we care okay so like i would always tell people Right? The problems, the solutions that are popping in Nigeria are solutions that solve fundamental issues. Right? Because people can't be caring about, oh, um, um, these people are trying to create an app that allows me um, snap ACs or something like that. Like, that's not a fundamental issue. Like, in US, now it can be a fundamental issue because they've solved their infrastructure. Right? So, what they are now doing is innovation. But here, were based on fundamental issues. So it's something we kind of faced at Tracker where in the early days, the goal was just to allow people monitor and track their expenses. Mm-hmm. But as time grew, we realized that it is bigger than that, right? Than just allowing people monitor and track their expenses. We also want to help people spend better, right? So one thing I would say is if you are building a solution, it should either make people money or save people money and what tracker is trying to do is save people a whole lot of money right with optimized financial processes that they wouldn't even get in any other fintech or banking hub that they currently have have one One more question (laughs) one last big question okay sorry i don't you have to take the bullet points no problem no problem i'm here what do you think um so but what do you think if the banks like the big banks mm-hmm. it's like okay you want to build a consumer product in it is that not a threat to tracker yeah okay okay that? so one the reason why we at tracker um kind of don't look at competition is because we aren't anybody's competition right our goal is to help our users right pull all their financial methods whether it be accounts whether it be wallets whether it be cards to now make the best in whether they want to spend or save or pay online or pay physically or all that, right? But if a bank wants to do that, they can't really do it because it's conflict of interest, right? They themselves are already competing with other banks. So other banks are not going to, go to come to their own platform to run. But us, we're not anybody's competitor. Our own is aggregate all the methods for our users, right? So that's how we look at it at Tracker. Wow. 
Sorry, I said last question. Yeah. Just <laughs> no problem. You ask me. You know, there's this thing about open banking, right? Yes, open so, finance. I, exactly. So, I'm a little bit curious, right? Like, mm-hmm. how do you then know how much I spend maybe in my Access Bank account, mm-hmm. then in my Kuda, then, then in my Carbon or something? Like, how do you know? Yeah. Okay. So, like you said, you like you said rightly, <laughs> there's something called open banking, right? Okay. And what open banking allows you to do is share financial data between mm-hmm. institutions right so um mono is our financial aggregator wow. mono is the one that goes to go and meet the banks and says oh, okay let's um partner and integrate with you so that you can allow your customers spend anywhere or share their financial data with other institutions right so mono is the one that aggregates all the banks all the fintech wallets right and all we do is um um seek consent from our users to um share financial data from their accounts through mono right so that's how we're able to do the whole oh we can see your expenses in kuda we can see your expenses in access you are the one that is actually giving us the ability to help you show that right so that's actually how that works wow so how can open banking actually um, enable like finance okay so we are still in the early stages of open banking. I mean, Mono barely started in like when? 2021 or so. And there is a really big market for it. There's a really big market of personalized apps, you know, sharing financial data, loan apps, right? Um, credits and all that. And we can already see in the tech ecosystem that credit is already becoming a big form of um, niche, right? So the ability for financial institutions to share financial data with other institutions kind of opens the border of what is possible in finance. So I I personally think in the next few years, it is going to be really, really big with what we can do with open finance. Wow. So, um, you know, the banks are kind of, everybody knows knows (laughs) that the banks are traditional. Yeah. And they like to stick to what works. (laughs) They yeah. come and tell them what's come and well, mm, they like to stick to what works and yeah. they like security, they like being things being their own way. Yeah. So how do you think like you know the banks being that way and open banking is like, oh, you have to be more open, you more have to open. share like data mm-hmm. with other people. How yeah. do you think like the banks are like are taking it? So I, I think they are looking at it from a perspective where um we are in a we are in a digital economy we are in a technology enabled economy and people are using their digital devices to do so many things right there are a lot of trends in tech right they don't want to miss out on that they want to stay on top of every standard trend that's about to happen so if it's to enable their users to share their financial data with other institutions they're happy to do that right because they know that it is going to kind of um keep them on top of the game right and then also um allow their users to be happy and to be able to you know personalize their finance experience in general so that's just how i think banks look at it so that's <laughs> yeah, <finally free. laughs> so um moving on to jnp right yes um, i think the first time the first time we met we spent like almost two hours on the phone yes 
you spent a lot of time on your phone. Wow, wow. So, I'm fond of that. <laughs> no, 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 no. Like just me, just think, just thinking about it now. Like, guy, we just met. Yeah, but from that, IG that was, to that was, WhatsApp. That was, as in that same that day, same day, and we already spent like one hour, two hours <laughs> on the phone. Yeah. And I want to ask like Gen Z techie, and I think that was one of the things that we talked a lot. Of. Yeah. How is it? Can you tell me? You've already spoken about what it does, right? Yeah. So. How is Jersey Tech like enabling like um, yoga like founders and okay? So and one thing like we 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 champion for our Gen Z Tech is, is young people like us don't naturally have the ability to succeed in tech, and the reason why is because they are coming up in the game, right? They don't really know how tech works. They don't have mentors they don't really have much resources right and then before 2020 right tech wasn't even that that big covid kind of changed everything and brought a lot of more young people into tech and when these young people came into tech it was not easy for them to navigate their way right so we kind of created gen z techies in a way where um look we are all trying to figure out what we're trying to do here Right? So why don't we come together? Like I said, I'm a big fan of collaboration. Why don't we come together and figure it out together? Right? And you have the people that, yes, we are young, but we've been in tech longer than some other people. So we are the ones that would say, oh, okay, let's come up with these initiatives to help people that are just, you know, in their first year of tech or people that are just wanting to enter tech, young people. And yeah, that's basically how we look at it. And then also from the founder point of perspective, we're also having recently a lot of younger founders, like look at TrackerSafe, right? So um, they don't really know how to navigate the tech business, right? So we that have some experience in it are like trying to create initiatives that would also empower them to easily and seamlessly um, understand how the whole founder tech ecosystem and all those stuffs work. So yeah, that's just what we try to do at Gen Z Techies. So looking at the future of that, mm-hmm. how do you what how do you see Gen Z Tech in the next five to ten years? I see us um, expanding more across Africa, right, and trying to um, not just get people in tech, right. But trying to also create and enable job opportunities for them. So there's something now in tech where everybody is doing initiative to get people in tech. Who is creating jobs? Right. So that's a big issue. And um, I'm personally looking at it that in the next few years, there will be a lot of opportunities in the digital economy, in the startup space for people to actually get jobs. So right. So me, me I personally think like in the next um, five years, we're going to be enabling thousands of techies from beginning of their tech career to all the way to learning to building projects and even getting jobs in the process so how like the impact of what jersey tech is doing to the tech ecosystem in Nigeria? can you just okay so like i said before most of the communities are just like i don't want to say old people but these people have been in tech for a long time and there, there's this gap between people that are like 30, 25, and and people that are 20, 19, 18, 17, university students and all that. So when us young people come online, right, we see all these popular people, but they have their own clique, right? They have their own people that they already work with. They have their own people that they already build things with. 
we don't have that community and that was why in the beginning any created the community so that we could all come together and kind of like build together learn together and even get jobs together in hindsight so starting from a small whatsapp group right who um learns builds and networks and get jobs scaling that to a community that actually now helps other young people in tech to learn build network and get jobs in the process so that's how i look at it right in the impact of how it provides to the tech ecosystem so what attracted you to um, gen z tech okay so i saw a post of any online right um and i was just curious that a 17 year old boy was making such amount of money was making such amount of impact and was really challenging the status quo and i kind of reached out to him talking about right um i have a lot of ideas for gen z techies i would love to um talk to you about them so that was how i kind of entered gen z techies and became a community manager and became part of the core team and all that personally like why try to like impute into gen z community so i would say um we have a lot of great gen z techies that are developers designers basically employees but we lack in the aspect of business founders right that are young so i want to really focus on creating initiatives that would help young founders grow into successful entrepreneurs right so that is my main um objective my personal objective for gen z tech is other than the um bigger goal that we have yeah <laughs> you, you know um because the thing is from my own perspective i've seen that like like communities in africa yeah not in nigeria to be to be more precise is i think i was sharing with you earlier on where we have this um, we have gdsc yeah we have, have isec exactly you have GD, yeah so you have so, so many communities yeah very fragmented right and there is for them gdsc licity does not might not even know gdsc yes i never know gdsc, GDSC ui yes, exactly and 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 everybody is actually working this the, the goal is common the vision is common right Mm-hmm. So like, why can't like, I was like, okay, there should be a way like, these people could collaborate and work together. And I think one of the things I was even talking to you about is yeah. how I could just oh hit up my guy and give me GDS back or like oh I'm working on this project. Yeah, can you help me push it in back? And I'm like oh sure sure sure, don't worry, like, I can help you. Or oh I need an information about how UI works. How does how do people how do people need, do things exactly? How do they react like to that. yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah, but if but I don't think there's anything like that in GDS like because I know for sure. That GDS city, right? Mm-hmm. If I had asked the guy, who, do you know the GDS? You know the GDS lady in Babcock. <laughs> he would like, oh, I don't know. And do you know the GDS in UI? Like, I don't know. I don't know. Do you understand? And I feel that that's one of the things that Gen Z Techies. It's like a community. I don't want to say Nigerians, but mm-hmm. African without borders, right? Yeah. So I met people in Kenya. Someone, someone that posted something on because of among the Slack community as well. Yeah. When I posted something, oh, she was someone like baby from kenya yeah like, wow so that people yeah so exactly. we, are, we have various people everywhere we are from cameroon we are from ghana we are from um, mozambique very various um people but obviously the most are nigerians like you can't dispute that because that's where we started building from um but we're also trying to scale that later on to the rest of africa and trying to kind of 
also break the barriers between countries in Africa. We know it's definitely going to be hard, but I personally think it is possible, especially with the way the digital economy is moving, right? A lot of things can actually be worked remotely. So we believe that we can power the um, use of the digital economy to drive closage. Will I say closage? I think that's wrong, Vigisha. Shout out to close the borders or boundaries between us and other countries in Africa. Bridge the gap. Yeah, bridge the gap. So let's move on to the third guy. <laughs> Ciao. Mm. Can you give us about? Can you like give us I said, if you know Timmy, <laughs> I don't. Want, I, I don't want anybody to know. <laughs> no problem. Um, yeah. So Chow is like I said, is a food delivery app in Babcock, right? And I am not even so big about the tech part. I am big about the service we offer people, right? Because without the website, people can still order from Chow. They can use WhatsApp to text us that they want an order, and we're going to be able to get it for them and process that order. So. Before Chow came, there was nothing like that. Some people were using WhatsApp, but there was no um, infra of food delivery in Babcock, right? Um, and it was really hard for people who had a lot of classes in the day to kind of match up with also trying to get food, to try to fight with people in calf. Like, it's just very stressful. Some people just want to sit in their house and order food. Right, it was a pain I shared personally too, where I just wanted to sit in my own and order food too, right? And when I was in Babcock, I ordered steadily from Chow. So it's not just because I am on the team; it was actually a problem that was also being solved for me, right? So I kind of look at it in that way, where the main goal is just you know helping people to accelerate um, this kind of services, right? Um, if they want to order food, they have somewhere other food from if they want to pay they have something to use to pay right just enabling people to do the things they love right and there is a quote we have a child convenience for the achievers right so we know people came to school to reach their highest heights they came to school to succeed and what we're trying to provide for them is the convenience to actually reach that goal right so yeah that's just a little bit about child so how have you been like handling like because you, you know customers, customers hmm. can be, you know, customers can be customer. Especially you know, when students. you're not dealing with student customers, like, that's a totally <laughs> different game. Imagine yeah. you're talking about, oh, I ordered for this, I ordered for meat, I got fish. Yeah, like, you know, so how all those kind of things. Okay, so in Babcock Club, we don't have meat or fish all <laughs> But we still kind of have them, right? Because we have um, Boot Canteen, BGH, where they are services owned by the school. So the, the rule in Babcock is they don't give fish meat chicken in calf. Right? Yeah, it's just the way this food is. Like I came to meet that. So I do I I really don't really know. I think it's a church thing or Jack Grant to preserve money or something like that. Um Babcock, if you are here in please you still need to give me my certificate. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so um for the students thing, I think the main thing is being open to criticism. That's one thing we champion at Chow, right? We're not going to say we know everything. We're not going to say we're perfect in the whole service. If we make a mistake, right, we kind of learn from that mistake. So if a customer says, oh, I received this order instead of this order, we'll try to make up for itself. We'll try to say, oh, we're even going to get you your order for free and even give you a discount on top so that people um, even want to order again from Chow. So we are open to criticism. 
is something we are big on because criticism helps you grow. Criticism helps you um, change to a better perspective of yourself. So, yeah. So, do you think that is a, um, is a market for um, food and food delivery on campus? Do you think there's a market for it? Um, definitely. So, I see um, WhatsApp vendors that are doing food delivery for people in a lot of universities, right? I have some of them on my phone, right? And it has always been a market to deliver food in universities. People have always needed it. But people have never had um, a kind of structured um, business that focuses on food delivery. It's more of solopreneurs that just handle it on WhatsApp and all that. So I think the food delivery campus game is evolving from just being a kind of WhatsApp um, vendor, solopreneur thing, to actually being businesses that drive the economy of these campuses or universities and all that. So I, I personally think that definitely there is a market for food delivery in campuses. So um, seeing the, like, the Nigerian ecosystem where we have like, a lot of food delivery services, yeah. like um, we have Global, Chow, Food Court, Tay Foods, Jumia Foods, Goat like, Foods. You, you, can, you can literally yeah, mention eight, <laughs> yeah. eight like, strong players that are fully In funded or backed by yeah. big uh, uh, companies. So how, how, what, do you, what do you think about that? So food is a basic resource, right? And we have a country of 200 million people, right? I don't even think about 200 million. I think maybe about like 150. I feel like that number has been exaggerated a lot. So let's let's just keep it to 150, right? So it doesn't matter how many in in Lagos alone we have 20 million people. It doesn't matter how many um, food delivery platforms there will be. One can never serve the whole 20 million people. Or let's even give it a term of five million people who order. One can never serve. There would have to be multiple platforms that serve in different places. Right, and kind of drive the economy of food delivery up, right? So me, I personally think that, um, like I would say, competition is for users. I didn't make the quote, Peter Thiel did, right? Um, I feel the more food delivery companies or startups even come into the game um, to drive that service, the more the industry grows, the industry of food delivery, the industry of people wanting to um, sit in the comfort of their home and order something online and get it to their house in minutes and all that. So um, that's how I see the whole uh, food delivery industry. So uh, looking at like the US market can be like a very good example. Mm-hmm. Like, and we've seen like companies like Grubhub, Postmates, they've been like managers and Yeah, Deliveroo, like, exactly. DoorDash, exactly. Uber exactly. Eats and all. So they've been like a major, um, major acquisition where uh, like some players right they merge yeah. together to form and but don't you think that i pers- personally feel that in the end this food delivery stuff in nigeria might end up being like two to three players max. yeah because if you look at the profit margin itself it's kind of small and, yeah and most of all these people they are operating on um, investor funds right mm-hmm. the newer people the newer people yeah and sooner or later the funds will dry up and you have to be profitable yeah and that's where the reality starts kicking right so what do you think about that like especially in nigeria okay so um as much as we also have 150 million people we also have a lot of poor people like out of that 150 million like the average person is 18 years old Mm -hmm. and the average 18 year old does not have a job right we had 70 percent youth unemployment in 2022 
I think that was down to 50.43%. But that's a high percentage of people that are poor, right? So if you even look at purchasing power, how many people can ever afford food delivery in the first place, right? So I would say in a place like Lagos, it's more um, enabled, right? Um, so I, I think, like you also said, I actually think, yes, in the, in the next few years, there will basically be one to two or three players that are actually um, on the top of the game, right? While the others are playing catch-up, basically. Um, and I just think that there is a market for profitability because there is high purchasing power in different places in Lagos. So I'm, I'm just using Lagos as an example because that's a very popular place that everybody knows about. So you have the island where there's Lekki, Aja, and all that, right? And most of even these food delivery companies, Childeck, um, Glovo, a lot of them focused more on those areas because the purchasing power is higher. And they are actually seeing um, relevant numbers from there. So I, I personally think that um, there is money in food delivery because like I said, food is a basic resource. Everybody needs food right it's not like a package it's not like just tech it's not like a device everybody eats food every day right so food delivery companies that drive that whole process would definitely make a lot of money in the long run so i see big numbers but i also see there like you said being um one to three startups that are actually on top of the food delivery game yeah so, um, what do you think um, about the, uh, like the university food delivery thing? And um, we've, we've had like different like food delivery apps like yeah. in schools. So, but I don't think we've had anyone that has been in like two schools or three or something like that. And mm-hmm. um, what do you think is the problem? Or, or if there's no problem, okay. people just... No, there's problem. Yeah. So, once, <laughs> once I even noticed why I um, came into Chow, was that most of the people that start this food delivery company universities are students and they're always maybe 300 level, 400 level in their final year and then when they leave, they're not able to sustain it. So one thing, like I said before, the difference between people that were building food delivery companies then was that they were more of solopreneurs using WhatsApp as a means to just allow people to order food and all that. But with the new food delivery um, startups in campuses, um, we've kind of taken a different approach to actually build a business that is tech enabled, right? We have infrastructure and operations that runs concurrently without needing anybody, right? So I think that kind of changes the game of how people are going to be able to expand across um, universities. So if you can be successful and set up a complete operations in one school, I believe you can copy that model and actually carry it to another school. So what do you now think is, how do you not think like a food delivery app in your school can expand? Expand? Yeah. Um, okay, so I think there are two ways. The first way is major and acquisition, right? You look at someone that is basically doing it in underscore and like if you have the money to do that, you just acquire them, right? And absorb their operations while they are doing it for you in those other schools, right? So with that way, you actually move to more schools faster. Right. And then the second way is um building the operations from the scratch so now you have people that are doing food delivery um, companies they have to go to the school understand how their system works understand how their restaurants works understand how their operations works understand how their policies works and you have to do a lot of things to really now 
enter those schools, right? So expansion is harder when you have to start from the scratch, right? If, if you were acquiring someone to go easier, because they already have the license, they already have everything to run in those other schools. But in this case, you are trying to build it from the scratch. But I actually do believe that um, people can, like I said, copy the model they already have for delivery startups, like um, Abinci, Degia, um, Chao, Belarus, and all that can copy the models they've done in their various universities and kind of replicate it across to similar markets, similar universities, you know, similar private universities, sim- other universities that are around them. Um, yeah, so that's what I basically think about the whole expansion for food delivery apps for campuses. So um, what do you think is the future of uh, AI, artificial intelligence? Because I've been a boss mm. and everywhere. No, like there's been this thing where mm. maybe a few years ago it was blockchain. So it was like web two. Web three. Yeah, web two. Web, yeah, there was like oh web apps. Yeah. yeah there was not web three, there was not like blockchain. There was NFT, metaverse. Exactly. Then it was metaverse. Yeah, right? crypto. Then, then exactly. Then we now have Bitcoin and the likes. Then we now have oh, now we are in the, the AI. AI era. So if you don't have if you, if you don't have AI, if you don't have you understand anything AI. Uh, everybody, everybody now, like now, I can say Chow is an AI company that is building food <laughs> delivery preferences for their users. <laughs> like everybody trying to move to the AI thing. So I, I personally also think AI, right, is is a kind of technology that adapts to users, right? Instead, like now, for years we've we've been the one trying to adapt to technologies. Mm-hmm. But AI is different. AI is the one that adapts to us adapts to our behaviors, adapts to our preferences, adapts to all that. So I personally think um, AI is here to stay. I think it's here to stay. And I think it would change and revolutionize the way um, technology has been for like the past decade, right? I think it's really a game changer from what we've had from Web 2 to blockchain to Web 3, Metaverse and all that. So, um, you know, a lot of people have been saying that AI is going to change our job. Yeah. Right. It's going to take away our jobs. And a lot of people are like, yeah, yeah, let AI take like let AI take away our jobs and we just go to the beach and party. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> something like that. And I'm like, what's your like what are your thoughts on that? Do you see AI as a threat mm-hmm. or do you see it as a, a So I think as much as AI is good, it, it will also be bad, right? So it might not necessarily be bad in a way where it's 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 hurting people, but it's, it's definitely going to take repetitive jobs. Right. So people keep on saying, oh, it's going to take my job. AI will only take your job if it's something that is repeated consistently. Like, it doesn't change. It's the same thing all over and all over again. That's when AI will change your job, right? Mm-hmm. For now. But I think in the future, AI is going to become smarter. It's going to become um, more cognizant in its own self, right? It's going to know about things. It's going to be able to understand its surrounding Right, just basically how we have iRobots and all those popular robots films that we watch. I, I I feel like in the future they are going to be taking more jobs that are not just repetitive, but kind of also um, physical. So like dry cleaning now, right? You already have robots vacuums and all that. Um, security, um, a lot of industries, manufacturing. Right, so they're going to take jobs from manufacturers that have individual workers like packaging the stuff and wrapping it up, and then they, they're just going to optimize the whole process with robots. Right, so I think it's a case of don't don't 
be against AI, be for AI, right? Learn how to use AI to make yourself more valuable in a future where AI is taking repetitive jobs. So I just think that's how people should look at it. What about the future of tech in Nigeria? In Nigeria, wow. I feel we still have a long way to go, right? Because we have infrastructure and policy problems that dig deep into our systems, into the way we build tech, right? A lot of people have shut down this economy because of um, Nigeria shut down the whole crypto thing, right? And a lot of people have shut down because CBN comes up with policies that um, don't favor their um, company. So I think we have a long way to go in enabling policies that help us thrive more in the ecosystem and then in also the infrastructure that would enable us to build tech for people to carry out their daily activities so uh i i see in the next 10 years we would have built a lot of great stuff but we would still need to um be more intentional about our infrastructure so i just think that's how um we should all look at it you're seeing that you are like um, elon Musk managing Managing three huge things at the same time mm. like how do you how do you cope with that like how do you do it um like i said i'm i'm a generalist i love doing multiple things like it's in my blood like if i see if i'm in one thing now and someone just comes and meets me guy have you seen this new startup that doing this i'm just curious i'll be like what is this thing they're building how does the tech work how like i'm just curious about multiple things and i'm also a person that wants to make impact in multiple places Right. So some people will always tell me, oh, how, why are you doing multiple things at the same time? You're not going to go like that and all that. But I personally think um, people's growth is different. Right. So for me, in my work, for you, in my not work, just find out what works for you. For me, I am a good multitasker, good generalist. And yeah, I basically love doing it. So, yeah, that's what I think about um, um, working in these three huge um, initiatives that I'm building. So- there's this thing that oh this is like oh a parent does not have like a favorite child and everything but <laughs> i know that one of those three things you're building one of them is pulling you more than the other or something <laughs> like has there been a time where you're like oh or someone confronted that oh they're building three teams together mm-hmm. you know, most people like that there's this thing where investors will even tell you that you should like you have to quit a job yeah to, to focus on to, one thing so have you ever like experiences like that okay so everybody knows i am first tracker before anything else because like tracker is i would say my baby at this point right um it's a shared collective between everybody in the company and that's what i like about the um com- the culture tracker right it's not a case where it's just like oh the ceo owns the company ceo owns the company and all that we all kind of share the goal of oh this is what we're trying to achieve this is our vision and all that. So I personally am first tracker before any other thing, right? But um, it doesn't mean I can't make impact in other places, right? That is why I'm being able to do it so far, right? So I that's just how I look at it, right? Uh, yeah. So um, I know that um, you've worked on it like amazing like products and everything. Like, how did you transform from writing code to so product management? Manager? Okay, it's very funny. It's a simple thing. My laptop spoils in twenty in COVID. <laughs> like when I came home from um, in March twenty twenty, um, COVID had happened. Everybody was at home. We're learning. 
I did I dug deep into coding. I was coding every day. I was even helping people get into tech. I started one WhatsApp group called Code World, right? That helped um people start off in tech. Right. So when I say in Babcock, I was one of the early enablers of what you see in the tech ecosystem Babcock today. I was, right? Because I started um solutions that people had never started at that point in time nobody was building nobody was doing anything everybody was just a normal person right me and divine divine was my um co-founder and kind of friend um that we built everything together right so me and divine um did a lot of things in backup in the beginning so uh yeah that's just that's just so how um so when you know when you know like okay this is i think Coding. This is where I want to enter product management. Yeah, project manager, like, yeah. so yeah, where my laptop sports, I had only my phone. And then I was already kind of a product management. I didn't just know that's what I was doing. I always like saying, oh, these features can be better, or oh, this is not how to reach customers. You can do it in a better way. So I was always kind of intuitive about the whole product management process. I didn't just know. So my brother is a product manager, right? And when he actually told me that, Oh, before I thought it was doing customer success, but at the point in his career, I kind of transitioned. I mean, I was in school, so I didn't really know. So when I came home and he was telling me about what he was doing, and I was like, okay, like this is what even I like doing. And he was like, the job itself is product management. And I was like, oh, okay, product management. And I was, before then, I was a generalist. I could do everything operations, tech, marketing. I, was, I, I did a little bit of it, but I was like, I need to be serious. The one thing because one thing about the business world or the tech ecosystem they respect specialized people more than they respect generalists and it's just true so i was like oh okay let me key into product management and try to you know build my skills right so i did that for one year um that's when i started building the first food delivery app which didn't eventually launch before i met chow um and that's where i really now understood how all the things I've been learning from 100 level kind of keyed into where I was then, right? And that's what just helped me like become better product management. So, you sum, so what does a product manager, what, what do they do? Okay, so product managers basically um, discuss with users about their pain points, like what's troubling you, right? Um, as, a, as a musician, why are you not succeeding? What product do you need to elevate your success, right? And how can we help you build that? So that's what basically product management is. Building features that make people happy. It doesn't matter the industry, it doesn't matter. Product management doesn't have any borders at all, right? Um, Yeah, so I would now give a more technical definition so that people kind of have something to go with. So I would say product management is the act of um, discussing with multiple stakeholders, whether it be users, whether it be the development team, whether it be the executives on the company, and aligning business objectives while creating scalable technology that solves people's problems, right? So if you look at what I just said, I kind of broke it down into four things. So you have the stakeholders part, whether it be users, talking to users, you know, talking to people in the company on how you can all work together to make the product better for the user, um, talking to the dev team on how they can build the solution better. Um, then also aligning on business objectives. Now it comes to the executive telling you that, oh, okay, now we build this product. 
but we also need to meet our business objectives then. Okay, how many people do we want on this app by this point in time, right? That's the form of business objective, right? So achieving that is part of your goal as a product manager. Thinking of ways to achieve that is part of your goal. Um, then there's the creating the scalable tech. So you don't just create tech and then it will not work. I, I see that in a lot of companies, a lot of startups. If you are building, build right. Build tech that would scale across borders. Build tech that would scale with multiple users. So the same way it's working when 10 users are on your platform. It's the same way to work when 1,000 users are on your platform. And the last is solving a problem. So basically, with all these processes you've done, the entire goal is to actually solve the user's problem. Right, so that is how product management works in entirety. So, if someone wants to become a Fulabi, like how, <laughs> how, how, how do I become? Mm, so, I would say it's not it's not really about me, right? It's about you and what you want to achieve, right? Me personally, I always wanted to create impact, right? And I always love tech. So, it, those two things kind of interlined when I entered product management. Um, so I would just say, if you want to be a product manager, um, be very intuitive, always be open to learning, always be open to try to solve problems around you, right? So it's not just um, learning courses online. The room you are in right now, you, you that you are hearing me on this podcast, the room you are in right now, what problems can you notice around the room that you are in, right? What solution can you come up for to that problem? What multiple ways can you look at it? Right? That's how product managers think. They think very intuitively of the different possible ways that could um, help solve users' problems. So if you want to become a product manager, you have to become a creative thinker, right? You have to be obsessed about solving problems. So yeah, that's just it. So do you sit down? Because you, you told me like, at the beginning of the podcast, you said like you went to dance. Do you sit down? Like what are like, extra I dance in the showers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I don't really dance professionally or internally anymore. So before in my house, I danced a lot. Like my parents knew I was a dancer. My sister, my brother knew. I was obsessed with it. But now I am deep in tech. Right? Tech took tech took me away from that. So it was like you get over here. <laughs> So it just like took me away from dancing and um, I still dance in the showers. And if anybody wants me to dance, you know, I can bust a little move here and there. You don't do like um, traditional dance? Um, do you do mean lo- Afro? Um, local, local dance? I do. I do both. I do hip hop. I do um, homeland dance. <laughs> <laughs> Let me say that. that. <laughs> I don't want to do this. I don't want to say short <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh my god. Do you, are there any other um, extra extracurricular activities that you, that you do that people don't even know that? Oh, I do this thing. Mm, I play table tennis. Oh, really? Right? In secondary school, I brought a table tennis bat. So we have a board in all our halls, right? And the rule is that whoever brings the bat and eggs plays the most. Of games. course. Of exactly. Course. Whoever brings the ball wins the team. Yeah. So, except playing football, I was also. Um, I love playing table tennis, even till now, right? Picking a bat, smashing the egg on the other side, right? In fact, table tennis is also like um, tech in a way, right? So I also try to relate real world things to other things I'm doing in my work or in my personal life, right? So if someone plays the ball over to you, to the other side, 
right? Before you go to play the ball, you're always wondering, where is that ball going to go, right? And if that ball is going to go there, how am I going to pass it back to the other side of the board, right? Just that intuitive thinking is basically in everything we do in life. So personally, for me, I love table tennis. I just love, it's just fun for me, right? Yeah, um, for any other, t- I think those, those are the main two, two things I've really done as extracurricular activities in my life, dancing and table tennis. So, yeah. I know you're very, very active on Twitter, right? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, how, like, um, like looking at Twitter, how, um, what influence do you think, a lot of people are telling me that, oh, we have to be on Twitter, so yeah. it's important. What influence do you think, um, Twitter plays uh, in influencing like the Nigerian tech ecosystem. Okay, so I would say you don't have to be on Twitter to make influence. In fact, before I was on Twitter, in Babcock, I was already doing things on ground, right? I was helping the community, I was building projects, all that. So before you even come on Twitter and start talking about anything, look at around you. Right, look at where you are currently. You that is hearing me on the podcast, I'll call you again. <laughs> what problems can you solve around you? Right. But one thing that Twitter helps you do is kind of shape your brand. It kind of tells people, oh, Afolabi is a product manager, right? And he's interested in the future of how tech would play out. Right. He's also interested in helping young people get into tech. He's also interested in food delivery companies. It kind of just shapes the perspective that people have about you, right? So your Twitter, your Twitter is like your mouthpiece. So when people hear, oh, at Champagne Poppy, they think of, oh, Drake. We know the kinds of things he tweets. When people hear at Shoke A, because that's my Twitter tag, they think of, oh, okay, he likes talking about tech. He likes talking about, he likes catching Chris too. He likes having fun with his mutuals and all that. So it's just, um, Twitter just helps you form a kind of um, perception, right, that people know about you. Yeah. So is there any wrong perspective that you feel that people have about you that you just want to like tell people about mm. right now? Mm. Uh, wrong perspective. Mm. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't think I can clearly remember something that okay. people have noted out that oh Afolabi needs to work on or something because i i'm be also big on personal development like and i'm also open to criticism so if someone has something to say about me i'm open to hearing it i can become better about it um like now as a product manager you tend to have to become more technical right in a job space where it, it is highly technical right so right now people are telling me oh as if if i'm not technical i cannot make it in job space and stuff like that um, but me, I don't look at it like that. I just look at it as if I become more technical, right? I can, I can um, enable my de- development teams faster, right? Than I would having an engineering lead and all that. So um, yeah, I don't really have anything that I think people have a wrong notion about me or I need to change or all that. So um, this would be like. Um... I don't want to call it my final question. Okay. So, if you had any advice to someone like that was listening and he's like, okay, like, someone comes to me and I'm like, can you advise me? Yeah. I'm trying to get into tech. Yeah. I'm trying to get into something. If you had any advice you want to give that person, like, what would it be like? Okay. Just imagine the person, okay, I'm the person I'm asking, please advise me. I'm trying to get into tech. I don't know what I should do or something, but just, I, I feel like 
I, I just love this thing. Yeah. So I would say look at what you currently like, right? Do you like managing people? Do you like writing? Do you like um, seeing the designs of interfaces, right? Because all of those things tend to make you decide that, oh, I want to go into being a product designer or being a brand designer or being a product manager or being all that. So that's the first thing you have to look at. The second thing is being obsessed with success. Extremely obsessed, right? That is the only way you can get to where you're going, right? Draw out a plan for your journey. Draw out a plan for your work career, your 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 career roadmap. And kind of set the pace you want for yourself five years ahead, ten years ahead in the future. So yeah, if that's basically the advice I would give anybody um, kind of entering into tech now. The, the, the last thing is, don't wait for so-called tech influencers to tell you, oh, you need to do this or you need to do this. Be intuitive yourself. Go online, look for resources. Just be someone that is obsessed about like trying to um, use whatever skills you have to make a change. And uh, yeah, that's my final answer. So any <laughs> advice for the future? You like you ten years. The future me. I'm like she the future me. me. There's things about trying. Yeah. Travel. And I'm yeah. Like, okay, I'm telling the future that okay. I'll probably listen to this podcast <laughs> when when five years five years in the future. You no, know, like, but what advice would you give yourself? To the, like, um, I'm, to, I'm I'm at the past, but I'm trying to tell the future something. Yeah. What would you tell yourself? Be relentless. Never stop trying to create impact and value for communities and people around you. Um, that is the main thing I would tell myself because the moment you create impact, you also unlock other things that you never knew were around you. You unlock opportunities. You unlock initiatives that you ever knew could happen. Right. So I would tell myself, you've been on that journey since 2019 never stop for any moment just keep on going and keep on trying to um, make impact with whatever you do so what should we be expecting from you like what's what's this this month in september i just know i'm gonna be i'm gonna be pushing a lot of stuff watch out on probably my twitter at shokeye s-o-k-e-y-e-a um a lot of initiatives a lot of building um a lot of fun things to come. So yeah, just watch out for that. So any grandiose thing that young women are okay applying towards, like any very big thing. Yeah. So ah, there are two big things. <laughs> so this month, uh, yeah, I can say this one because Tracker is launching Tracker 2.0. Okay. And it's um, it includes the Tracker Pay that allows people to use their existing payments methods on Tracker to pay on e-commerce websites or online, and also. I'll use all their methods to pay physically through QR codes. So it's something we are really excited about at Tracker because this is something that has never been done before. It's a kind of, um, will I say, Apple Pay, Google Pay kind of idea, right? And the second thing would be, I'm launching an initiative with an NGO, right? They are building a new startup. I am the PM. And what we're trying to do is really um, change and make impact even with the current state of nigeria even though it seems hard to like change things we're just trying to do everything we can to make sure um more possibilities are unlocked for nigerians everywhere so 
The final thing we do is we ask you to Google your own name. Okay. <laughs> so okay. let's see what pops up. Now you might Google your name and you might not see anything, but what, who knows? So next, I'm not going to lie. I have I, I have a ridiculously good SEO. Wow. Let's see. Let's see what pops up. Okay. So, so Shuke sh- Afolabi. Okay. First thing, product manager, <laughs> chess hero. Second thing you see is my Twitter. And you I see award. an award. Yes. Oh, most influential male in BCC in Babcock. Third thing you see is my Instagram. Wow. Fourth thing you see. Okay, that that's is not, not you. Me. <laughs> that is not me. But fifth thing you see is my Facebook. Sixth thing you see is my shared. Seventh thing you see is yeah, my yeah, TikTok, popular. my Pinterest. Yeah, my... Don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. We give up, we give up, we give yeah, up. Yeah, so um, it's not really about popularity. I tell people like they should try and shape their SEO mm-hmm. so that when anybody searches them, they can find them, right? So one thing I do is on all my social media, it is Shoke Afolabi or Afolabi Shoke, no matter where you find it. So it's mostly Shoke Afolabi and at Shoke A or shukere.e so with that kind of SEO anytime someone searches shukere aflabi they are going to see everything about me in an aligned function I'm hoping in future it would even have the whole um, picture <laughs> and explanation hey, of who I am um, aflabi shukere is a renowned tech hey, enthusiast exactly. yeah, that's, that's the reason uh, why we are actually having yeah. so by the time you like, remember you search yourself a lot of people have not even searched themselves. themselves yeah so but now you search like okay it's not mine then next 10 years i'm like how does bill gates how, how, how do you how do you research yourself yeah yeah there's probably this kind of thing like yeah yeah you probably think about like i'm him Exactly. <laughs> and, and if somebody is writing something that is not you at all you'll be like yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you guys just write something me myself like this is not yeah you know, you know so yeah yeah uh that is basically <laughs> it. I, I really had fun on this podcast. Um, I've not really got gotten to talk about myself like this before, mm-hmm. right? You know, to share my philosophies, share my ideas, share my experiences. So I hope for whoever is listening, they actually get something from this. Like, do you have like your handles, social media? Yeah. Like, oh, so on Twitter, I am at Shukeye. S O K E Y E A. On Instagram, I'm Shukeye. S O K E Y E. A on threads i'm still the same shukere because it's linked to instagram on linkedin shukere afolabi on facebook shukere afolabi like i said my seo is ridiculous <laughs> shukere afolabi on any platform even though you don't even know if i'm on the platform just search shukere afolabi if i'm there you see me if i'm not there so. and the products you are working on um yeah so tracker um artist tracker on every social media um chow artist chow on every social media <laughs> Um, Gen Z Techies are Gen Z Techies on every social media. Uh, yeah, those are the products. Thank um, you for having us. I'm really happy. <laughs> Thank you for bringing me on this podcast. Hello, and I hope someone is listening to the uh, podcast that we're making. And if you actually listen to this podcast, then our purpose is just to encourage, inspire, and kind of motivate you to do whatever like you're good at being best. So if you're a founder, techie or an entrepreneur and you're building something amazing would really like to have you on our podcast this is the unspoken podcast my name is timmy and my co-host also is joel hope you have a great day see you on the next episode